Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. morning. How's everybody this morning? Great to see you this morning. Turn to a neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Do that. I'm glad your alarm went off. I'm glad you had coffee. Glad you're here. If you're at home, we're glad you're there as well. And thanks for joining us this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn them to Luke chapter 7. It's where we're going to begin a brand new focus called Unexpected as we look at uh, Jesus and how unexpected his encounters and how unexpected he was to so many lives and even how unexpected he is today. Really excited to use this as uh, our launch pad into Easter and uh, excited to go on the journey with you this morning. We just came out of the book of Nehemiah, began again, and then we had our Daniel project series where we focused on stubborn prayer. This is not a break. It really is just a continuation on the theme that we've really been developing this whole year of what God wants to do in our midst. We're on our our journey in Lent toward Easter, and God's going to do some amazing things in our our days uh, as we are together focusing on Him. Uh, This uh, last Christmas, one of my favorite things to do is buy gifts. I'm kind of a gift giver. And uh, to our grandson, Jackson, I really love giving gifts, especially gifts that his parents will not like. That's what I like. I, we, uh, we were at Cracker Barrel yesterday, and uh, we found a talking parrot that as you talk to it, it mimics back exactly what you said. Oh, baby, we're going to be, that's, that's 20 bucks of gold right there. And then, so we're going to make sure we give that to him at some time in the future. But we really enjoy doing that. And, uh, and so as we were coming toward, uh, toward Christmas, Calvin, our son, had just got He'd been wanting a truck for a long time, and he picked up a used Ford F-150 quad cab pickup truck. Really nice truck. He's got a little bit of rust in the back quarter, but just a really nice truck, and it's white. And uh, he loves to drive that thing. Jackson loves to drive with him. And one of the things they like to do early in the morning is they like to go out for donuts. Shocking. My grandson loves donuts. He loves donuts. In fact, he likes donuts. He likes those cake pops from Starbucks, those little things. Those are amazing, by the way. But he likes all those little things. And so, so, but he loves being in his dad's truck. That's so much fun for him. He loves his dad's truck, loves being in his dad's truck. So I decided I'm going to buy him a truck. And so I got on the internet, started looking. I thought, man, I'm going to find that exact. There's got to be a white F-150 quad cab on there. Found it. Actually found the right one. It's a little, little different on the hood, but everything else looks just like this truck. I thought, oh, this can be so exciting. As I give this to him, he's going to be playing with this thing, and he's got his truck, and Daddy's got his truck. And so that, that's pretty exciting. So anyway... I ordered it, came in just before Christmas. We were going to be going down and getting together with them. And uh, it wasn't, well, I was expecting this. Came like this. It was like this big. In fact, here's a picture of it. It, it wasn't what I was thinking it was going to be. I, I kind of thought he could ride it, you know, kind of a thing. I'm, and Yeah, there, that's it. By the way, that is a cute, cute kid right there. But, uh, but I was sure that that would be not big like this. Now, it turns out it's perfect because he could take it with him in the big truck, and so that's pretty cool. Get, get the cute kid off there. Nobody's going to watch me if you have that up there. There we go. 
And so when I got this thing, and it probably was in the description, but I, you know, I don't really read you know, dimensions and that kind of thing. And, and there are always, you've, all of us have done that. We've ordered something online. It wasn't exactly what we expected it to be. A couple of years ago, we did a, a volunteer appreciation thing, and I was, I was the character uh, in um, The Greatest Showman, where, where Hugh Jackman plays, kind of, the, kind of the ringleader guy, Barnum and & Bailey. And so I thought, i got to get one of those canes, those walking sticks that he had. So I got online, found one reasonable price, and oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to have that. i got the top hat. I'm ready to go on this thing. Came in right before the event. It was this long. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they can't. So I, I never did use that. I gave it to somebody or whatever. But things aren't the way we expect them. And sometimes you get nice unexpecteds. Like um, when you buy something that the batteries are included. Hey, that was unexpected. That was nice. And then you get unexpecteds that aren't so nice. We just bought a, um, a, a bunch of appliances for uh, our intern house, one of our intern houses, and I went to pick them up at the store, and they said, and one of them was a stove, right? It was an oven, and they said, do you want a cord for that? What do you mean? Well, cords aren't included. You got to pay for the cord. It's like 35, 40 bucks. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> that, that's like getting a car and not getting an engine in it or something like that. So did you all know that, by the way? You don't get a cord anymore on that kind of stuff? You don't, I think dryers, same thing. You don't get a cord. You got you to get it separate and stuff. Okay, for me, that's not a nice unexpected. When, when you look at Christ, when you see Him coming on the scene, not only with His coming into the world, but throughout His whole life, even His ministry, everything, I think it's fair to say, everything was so unexpected. And, and if you get into Luke chapter 7, it is a great launching point for this series. John the Baptist has already been on the scene. John the Baptist, who, by the way, is Christ's cousin. It's really interesting how John the Baptist didn't even know Jesus was exactly who, who he was going to become. He, he didn't realize, he didn't see it. And so John the Baptist has been on the scene. He's been doing ministry. He actually baptizes Jesus. Jesus now is into his public ministry. He is, he is healing people. He has just healed a servant of the centurion from long distance. He has just raised a young man from the dead, given him back to her, his mother. And John the Baptist is kind of fading off the scene, and he's in prison. And here's what it says takes place. John, or Luke chapter 7, verse 18. John's disciples told him, John, about all these things, calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come, or are we to expect someone else? Uh, the Message Bible says it this way, are you the one we expected, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you and asked, are you the one we expected, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and, e and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many of them that were blind. So Jesus replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. Didn't answer the question. He answers the question with a comment. Go back and say to John what you have seen and heard. The blind have received sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man 
who does not fall away on account of me? Now that question, are you the one we expected, is is such a logical question for Jews to ask in that first century as Christ came on the scene. Because Jesus wasn't anything like they expected. And in fact, we could spend probably two, three weeks just talking about what the Jewish teaching expectations were for the coming Messiah. By the way, there are all kinds of passages in the Old Testament that talk about the Messiah, Messiah. The word translated is from the word in the Hebrew for king, ruler, or anointed one. If you happen to uh, read through the book of Daniel, a lot of folks told me that they had never really read through the book of Daniel. So when we were in the book of Daniel, a lot of folks decided for their, their journey they were going to do that, and some reread it again. And it's interesting, if you were to go into Daniel chapter 9, where the whole intercessory prayer is given, and Daniel asked for uh, the Lord to let him know when is Babylon, or when, when are you going to bring our people out of captivity. When the angel came to them with the answer, it gave him the vision of the 70 weeks, and it says, and all of this is going to happen, and there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens until the anointed one. The word anointed one is Messiah. That, that, that very phrase, the anointed one, is referring to the Messiah. When you see king, ruler, that's what they're anticipating. And we could talk about what they were looking for, but there were three things every Jew was looking for in the coming Messiah. Number one, they were looking for a king. And they were looking for a king who was not only in the lineage of David, but was in the fashion of David. David was the champion. David was the conqueror. David was the one who took out Goliath. David was the one who, let's just be honest, he was emotional. He danced before the Lord. He celebrated. He was a man who was after God's own heart. Scripture says that he shepherded Israel with integrity and skill. And they were looking for that kind of a king. They were were looking for, yeah, a king to come through the lineage of David, but they expected him to actually be a king. And they expected him to kind of have the characteristics of David. And while certainly Jesus is a king, it wasn't the kind of king they were expecting. Every Jew was expecting a, a ruler in the fashion of David. Number two, every Jew was expecting this individual to be someone who would save the Jewish nation. Now, you ever use the word saved and people don't know what you mean by the word saved? In fact, some of you, maybe you didn't grow up in church or you grew up in a different kind of a church. And so when we use this word saved, we're saying, well, what does that mean, saved? And normally when we talk about being saved, it means that we've invited Christ into our hearts. We've been born again and he has saved us from our sins. He has rescued us from our sins. But it's interesting, not everybody sees it that way, not everybody understands it that way. Well, when they thought they were going to be saved, they thought they were going to literally be saved from the dominion of the Roman Empire. Israel had been in over 400 years of being under the oppression and the domination of other nations. In fact, almost 500 years. They had been under the Babylonian Empire, right? Under that thumb. In fact, they were literally taken captive. Under the Persian Empire, they were allowed to go back to Israel, but they were still under the thumb of the Medo-Persians. Alexander the Great came on the scene. Under the Greek Empire, they were still under the thumb and under the dominion of the Greek Empire. By the way, that's why so many in the New Testament, that's why it's written in Greek. 
Koine Greek, common Greek. Why? Because Greek became the common language of really that whole area of the world, and so they were under the dominion of the Greeks. And in 63 BC, the Roman Empire came in. They took over Jerusalem. They took over all of Israel, and they set their people in place. That's why you have like a King Herod, you have a King Pilate, or you have a Pilate. You have all of these individuals who are basically Roman individuals who are ruling the Jewish people, even though they had um, an identity, they were oppressed and they were occupied. And so when, when, they, when they thought about the Messiah saving them, they thought it meant he would push the Romans out and it would rescue them in a physical way, maybe even giving them a century or two where they didn't have to be underneath the rule of somebody else. The third aspect is that they all anticipated the Messiah to be anointed and to rule during the Messianic era. Now the Messianic era, it's interesting, and I can't tell you exactly how they anticipated that because in Scripture, in the Old Testament, it's so clear that the Messianic era is going to be an ongoing time. But they, they, they knew that whoever it was as the king coming in was going to be somebody who had the anointing of the Spirit of God on them, just like Saul had the anointing of God when he was king. And then when God removed his anointing, David had an anointing. There was always this favor of God and the, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of their leaders. That's what they were looking for. They had no idea that the one who was going to actually be coming, Jesus Christ, was one with the Spirit, one with the Father, was God Himself. They, they just didn't get that. And so you use the word Messiah, and you use the word Messiah, they, they were the same word, they just had very different meanings. I, I, one of my favorite movies uh, from the 80s is Princess Bride. Any of you ever seen that movie? Yeah, many of you have, because it is a classic. And I don't care how old you are, if you were 17 and you're rolling your eyes, watch it. I promise you, it's a classic. If you're 16, may not be as much. But 17, it definitely is a classic. And, and if you remember, there were these characters, memorable characters. And there was this uh, one guy who, who kept using the word inconceivable. He'd say it, it almost sounded like it, didn't it? Inconceivable. Every time something would happen that he didn't think was going to happen, he would go, inconceivable. And finally there was, uh, what was it, Indigo Montoya. I'm an amigo Montoya. I don't know if I can do him or not. Anyway, he looks at him and he says, you keep using that word. I do not think that word means what you think that word means. You know, He says, you're using a word, but that word must not mean what you think it means because it's not any... This idea of Messiah, it, it wasn't matching. And we could spend all of our time doing this. We're not going to do this in the future, but I want to give you four areas that Jesus was just completely unexpected. And like I said, we could just do this over and over because there were so many areas of his life. Because Jesus was unexpected in his coming. He was unexpected in his death. He was unexpected in the way he rose from the dead. He was unexpected. He was on a cross. He was unexpected in that he, and that he ascended into heaven. He's going to be unexpected when he, when he comes to this earth again. He unexpected in his miracles. But there were four areas that he was just completely unexpected. The, the first one is the manner in which he came. He was unexpected. It's interesting what it says in Isaiah. Isaiah, the prophet, wrote the book of Isaiah around 500, 600, about 600 years or so, we'll just say that, um, before the time of Christ. And it's interesting, 
when he wrote these words, he wrote in Isaiah chapter 7, and the virgin shall be with child, and they shall, they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, referring to the coming of the Messiah. Matthew chapter 1, we see that that prophecy is fulfilled. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse what, 17 to 23, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Mary, or Mary, who was a virgin, betrothed to Joseph, was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And all of this happened, it says, to fulfill Scripture, which says that the virgin shall be with child, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, if I were to take a, a survey right now and ask how many of you were born to a virgin, I'm going to guess nobody would raise their hand. And if you did, we've got to have a little talk afterwards, okay? Because I guarantee that didn't happen. And yet Jesus was born of a virgin. He was literally given by the Spirit of God that when it says that it's God's only begotten Son, Jesus came into this world in a really unusual manner. And he, even though he came from the line of David, he wasn't sired by kings. He wasn't given by nobility. I mean, if you watch The Crown on Netflix, you, you pretty much get the idea that kings sire kings and royalty begets royalty. And Jesus had none of that. Joseph was not royal. The, the the closest thing to a king they had was a thousand years earlier. It was just unexpected. That's why when the Magi were looking for him, they went to the king, right? Because that's where kings are found. Nobody expected it because they weren't looking for it. Number two, not only did he have an unexpected uh, uh, manner in which he came, he had an unexpected message. Now, when I say that it was unexpected, it's not that it wasn't advertised. It's just it's not what people were looking for. Luke chapter 4. And it's important because you're going to notice it's going to sound strangely familiar with the Luke chapter 7 that we just saw. Luke chapter 4 Jesus is now arriving on the scene, and it says, Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, by the way, in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind. In other words, I'm going to release the poor. The prisoner is going to be set free. He who's in shackles and those with physical needs will be healed. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Again, a 700-year-old prophecy about the coming Messiah's message, Jesus gets up, 
reads it and says, I'm him. But it wasn't the message they were expecting. They were expecting a ruler who was going to be a political power. He was going to unshackle the people by delivering them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. But here's what's interesting, and I didn't notice it until I read it in the first hour. Go back to John chapter 7. Notice the answer Jesus gave to the disciples when they asked him, are you the one we expected? He says, go to John and tell him this. Tell him what you have seen. The blind have received sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is being preached to the poor. That sounds an awful lot like what Isaiah said was going to happen in Isaiah 61, and he knew John would know that. He didn't give him a direct answer, but he gave him a direct answer. And it's just interesting to me how many times the Lord wants to speak to us and give a message, but it's not the message we want to hear, and so we don't hear it because we're not looking for it. Number three, he had a completely unexpected purpose. Everybody else thought he came to rule. Everybody else was looking for somebody who was going to come to reign. And yet Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 27, he says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is not what people expected. No king comes to serve, he is waited on. No king comes to die. And no king comes to be a ransom. In fact, it's about this time that Judas turns off and goes off the rails. When Jesus started talking about dying, Judas, who was expecting the Messiah, said, this isn't the guy I thought he was. Peter, by the way, did the same thing. No, there's no way you're going to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. In fact, it says many turned away from Christ because his teaching was so hard. His teaching was so hard not because just the commitment he was asking. He didn't fit the mold. And yet it fits perfectly what God said it was going to be. Isaiah 53. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you've got your notes, you can just look there. Listen to this. Isaiah 53, 700 years earlier. Notice who it sounds like. He says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and and, and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and esteemed him not. Surely he took our affirmities and carried our sorrows, and yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the transgressions, the sinfulness of us all. That sounds an awful lot like Jesus, doesn't it? You know why? Because it is Jesus. 
700 years in advance, Isaiah the prophet, speaking through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, gives an exact depiction of what's going to happen to Christ. By the way, 400 years before the cross is even invented as a form of, of torture, the Word of God predicted that Christ was going to die on the cross. It's not the message people wanted to hear. Number four, he promised a life nobody expected. I mean, they were thinking about our homes are going to be our own homes and we weren't going to have to pay as much taxes to a foreign governor anymore. I mean, our people are going to rule them. So that's what they were expecting. But Jesus, we know the verse, right? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. Christ is not promising a tax-free life. Although, it wouldn't matter. I wouldn't mind if he did. But he's not promising a tax-free life. He's not even promising a perfect government. He's promising eternal life. He says to the Samaritan woman, he says, you drink the water that I'm giving you, the well I'm drawn from. He said, it's going to well up in you into eternal life. And then he says in John 10.10, he says, the thief, the enemy, Satan, he comes to kill and steal and destroy. That's what he does. I am come that you might have life and have it to the pull, uh, have it to the full. Not a longevity. Not loaded with finance, but he said, but you're going to have a significance and a fullness of life that's not only for eternity, but it's for here and now. That's what I'm promising. And you might be asking yourself, wait a minute. Every single one of these things you said was unexpected. You showed us an Old Testament passage which showed it. So why weren't they expecting it? Jesus has the answer. Luke 24. On the road to Emmaus, post-resurrection, there were two guys, they couldn't get the story, and Jesus finally looked at them and he said these words, and this is powerful. He said... Um, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have said. Did not the Messiah have to come and suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them that, that what was said in all the scriptures concerning him, why didn't people see him? It, it's simple. They weren't looking for him. They were looking for something else. And we often see what we're looking for. I've been at Colonial Woods. Tammy and I, our family, have been here for 18 and a half years plus. Hoping that keeps on going. <laughs> We've served in, in four different churches. We served a little church in Iowa during college called the Wright Union Protestant Community Church. That's a mouthful. That, you know how big your sign has to be to have that on it? And then when we, when we came out of college, we served a little church that was just, it was just floundering in Warsaw, Indiana. Lord just gave us a wonderful time. Five years, blessed us. Uh, the church, we just had such a great time and relationship there. And when we were getting ready to leave, we felt like we needed to go into a, another situation and to minister there. Um, they had a little going away party for us, and they gave us... Um, 
they gave me a, a gave us a few gifts they gave us a scrapbook tammy and i were just looking through it not long ago but they gave us um like a wall hanging it's here it is it it um this hangs in my office you're saying, well, isn't there a deer head in your office? Yes, but that's not it. This is in a better place, okay? Uh, all my deer pictures are on the side. This is directly across, and there's a reason for it. It is straight across from my desk, and on, on both sides are my family. And every time I look up, I see this hanging, this wall hanging. And when they handed it to me, I, 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 I go, oh, oh, this is nice. You know, you ever get something like that? Oh, oh nice. You know, it was nice you know but then when they started to point out some things in it it became profound if you burn the lights down just a little bit because i didn't see this but there's a shepherd everybody see the shepherd young shepherd that's me not anymore but i was then and if you look just to the right above the rock and up into the tree you'll see the face of jesus up here you see it some of you see it the beard is right at the edge of the little scroll it's right there in the crux of that rock on the right hand side if you look you'll see it it kind of appears and then if you go in the tree in the y you'll notice there's a white angel that appears little harder to see from a distance anybody see it it's kind of there yeah and it went from a something that was nice to something that really ministered to me and it's really interesting because when i look up now i can't not see it isn't that funny? I couldn't see it when I first got it. Now I can't not see it. When I look up from my, my study, when I look up from my desk, and I see that, the very first thing I see is the, is, the, is the face of Christ. Very first thing I see. The second thing I see is the angel up in the Y. The last thing I see is the shepherd. And it's interesting to me How many times in our life we don't see God doing some things because we aren't looking for it? And we don't think God can do some things because we, we aren't expecting it. We don't, don't think He can. And if there are a couple of takeaways as we get into this series that I hope we'll take with us, is that number one, it's amazing how Christ has a way of showing up in unexpected ways at unexpected times if we just let him. Wednesday night, we had such a great time of celebration. I was really, I needed Wednesday night. Only because I just wanted to see testimonies. I, I wanted to hear what God was doing. And, and we had such a great time. It was like, I, we were blown away. Like 175 people came out and the youth band led. And we came up and did the testimonies. And I, right when I was getting up, the Lord gave me a message I've never had before. I don't know that I've ever publicly told the story uh, about some things in my life. And, and, and when we got done and we're ready to move to the baptistry, I just, I really did. I walked off the stage thinking, this is the kind of night where somebody just wants to come and get baptized. It was that kind of night. 
And so we, we moved to the back area. We were getting into our place, and the guys were on the one side. There was only one guy, but all the ladies were on the other side. And a young lady came up on the side steps, and she stood there, and she said, is it too late for me to get baptized? And I, I, I real quickly went through my little thing, and I just went down and listened to her testimony a little bit because I didn't, I didn't know the testimony. And after talking with her, she said, you know what? The Lord's been speaking to me for a, a long time about getting baptized. And tonight when they were telling that one story, that's me. And I, I really feel like this is the week, this is the night that I'm supposed to get baptized if that's okay. And I said, I, that's fine, but you know, you, we don't have any clothes for you. You're going you know, to get wet. Said, and she goes, I don't care. She said, I'm going home. I'll go home in wet jeans. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll drive home in, when I'm wet. I said, okay. So I got her over to Kim, and Kim kind of got her ready and, and the thing. And she got up. She told her story, and she, she got baptized that night. And it's really interesting to me. I don't want to say this the right way, but that can't happen where you won't let that happen. Does that make sense? That can't happen where you don't allow it to happen. And I remember 30 years ago, 28 years ago as a young pastor, challenged by a guy by the name of Mac McNeil, 80-some years old then. He's, he's got to be 20 years into heaven already. Wonderful. But he, he, I remember him challenging me, and he said, Pastor, he said, if God wanted to show up in a way that you didn't personally expect him to, or that you really didn't want to still do it. And that question has consistently been on my mind as a pastor for the last 30 years because I don't ever want to unexpect God's ability to work away. And maybe, maybe God can't work in your family. And God can't work in your life. And God can't work in your your. Your, your factory and God can't work in your church and God can't work in your marriage because you can't let him do it. And maybe if you just, number two, allowed God to work outside of your box as to what you thought he could do, maybe God would do some things you didn't expect him to do. And maybe God, maybe God in this last season, as I've heard all these testimonies of people praying at 613, and, and as people have shared with me testimonies, maybe this next season is not an interruption, but a continuation of what God wants to do. How God wants to minister, what God might want to design in your life if you just let him. And so, Father, I, I, I realize that you don't need our permission to do a lot of things. You'll do what you do because you're God. And frankly, we're not going to keep you from doing what you really want to do. But there are so many things in our life that, Lord, you tie together a willingness with what you want to do. And so, Lord, we're asking for you to unexpectedly do some powerful things in these days. Father, that you would unexpectedly perhaps work in a family or a marriage or a prodigal or a prodigal parent or a friendship or a workplace or finances or a physical need. That Lord, that you might take us to a deeper level spiritually 
and, and we've kind of put you in a box and maybe the box was created because of life experiences or our heritage growing up and there were just some things that I'm just not going to let you do, Lord, and this is who God is. And Lord, I, I just, here's the deal. I, I want your word to define who you are, but I want your spirit to lead us to, to what you want to do. And so, Lord, write on me what you want to write on me and do in me what you want to do in me and do in this church and our our families and and in this community and in our culture. Do those things that you want to do. And, And Lord, we just simply want to be in agreement. Obviously, paired with your Spirit, working through your Word, but do what it is that you want to do in our midst. We would pray that. In Jesus' name, amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.